You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of America's bloodiest prison, told by the people who lived it, both inside and outside its gates. The brutal history as you've never heard it before, from its origin as a slave plantation to its gradual growth as the bloodiest maximum security prison in America. To those outside its gates, it's known as Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. But to those who have spent time inside its gates, it's known as Bloody Angola. Come with us as we take you through the gates and give you a first-hand look at not only the stories of the stabbings, rapes, executions, escapes, and murders you won't find on any TV show or the internet, but also the murders, abductions, attacks, and hostage situations of the staff and their families, otherwise known by the convicts as free people. Bloody Angola is a comprehensive, no hold barred podcast that takes you on a journey through time from its inception as a slave plantation to America's largest maximum security prison, where 80% of its population will die inside the wire. Get mentally prepared, sit back, and listen. As we cover these stories in detail, in ways that you've never heard before, from people that lived it, breathed it, and died with it. Bloody Angola. Oh,
Warning, Bloody Angola is a podcast covering actual events and is intended for mature audiences. The subject matter discussed in no way reflects the personal opinions of the host or sponsors of this podcast. Thank you. Just want to welcome everybody back to Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Yes, and I'm Jib Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we want to welcome you today. We have a story, y'all, that, Woody, how would you describe this? For me, it's been a lifelong story. I've yeah. heard I've heard this story since I was a little boy, and it just goes back. It's, it's very powerful. It's very controversial. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's horrible yeah. and, uh, on all sides, and, but it's a story that needs to be told. And it's very personal to the Overton family personally. Right. And, you know, when you say the Overton family, you're correct. My my dad's dad haven't been the judge up there, but my other, uh, my mom's dad started out on Angola as the first parole officer ever lived there. And y'all know me digressing. In the last show, and I said my mom was raised on Angola, but I meant they lived there for numerous years until my grandfather got accepted in the LSU law school, and then they moved to St. Francisville, okay? So, but St. Francisville and Angola, basically the same people. Everybody knew everybody, and and, uh, they ended up all going to school together in the end. So my mama said, hey, you got to make sure. She said, all my friends know that I didn't, wasn't raised my whole life on Angola, right, on the B-line, but I knew all those people. She said, I still know them. And yeah. she, today I was talking to her and she's telling me, oh, but you, this person married this person. I mean, very small community. I think maybe her high school graduating class had like 28 people or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and I can relate to that. But the it's to this day, this story, I mean, it's 40-something plus years afterwards. Oh, at 48 50 years afterwards, I guess, almost. Yeah. Uh, it's still very controversial and um, very hard to hear, and we're going to get into all that. It really is. And and so, folks, if any time you wanted to borrow a term from real life, real crime, heed that warning, yeah. this will be the episode to do it. It's, it's ve- a very sensitive subject we're discussing today and a very hard story to hear. Right. And, and we warn y'all that, these stories are going to get more progressive as they go. And um, we weren't bullshitting you. Yeah, yeah. We were, you know, it's it's like that slow tease, and now we're about to slam you. <laughs> for real. For, for real. So. I tell you this, on this story, my mama, I won't say her age, my mama, after all of these years, still cries every time she talks about it. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, uh, Woody? I guess go ahead and let's let's kind of start it off and and well, I'll interject where I can. The as we told y'all before, most of the I can't say most, a lot of the people, free people who work in Angola are generational, and they have lived there for many 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 years, many generations in 
since we dropped the first episode, Jim, and I think I told you this, we've had so much outpouring uh, um, to us from people who are basically our lifers, not lifers from a life for a crime, but like when I say lifers, I mean generational. They grew up on Angola, and a lot of them still work there, have reached out to me personally, and they're like, oh, my God, you know, the stories, et cetera. Uh, um, but it's when I say generational, I mean they were birthed at Angola. Yeah. Their, their daddy and mama worked at Angola. Their grandparents worked at Angola. Their grandparents worked at Angola, and you grow up on the B-line, and you don't really even know the outside world. You get busted in the St. Francisville for school now, but you, 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 you're going to grow up and be a correctional officer. Most of them, a lot yeah. of them. And in this case, we're going to talk to y'all about today. That's what exactly what happened. All right. Brent Miller. Okay. Brent Miller was a generational correctional officer. He grew up on the B line and as did, generations of his people and uh, now he had some family in Amy, uh, louisiana also but the he grew up on the b-line and my mama um i told y'all live there to whatever age and then she went out and she became a teacher before she became a lawyer and she taught brent and she can't remember if it was sixth or seventh grade but she taught him and uh in school and she re- distinctly remembers and she said of course it's easy to remember the really bad ones. Like she can, <laughs> she can call the kids names. Like the principal's like, you're not even going to get anything out of them. It's right. just some kids would show up. And then these were Angola kids. Okay. That, that she was teaching. So some of them would show up and they wouldn't even answer a question on the test. They didn't care. Right. Yeah. They were going in to be a correction officer. They didn't give a shit about school. And, but she said, Brent, she can see it right now in her mind's eye today as, as a uh, young boy, crew cut, you know, the flat top was the thing back then. And, and, um, the said he was such a sweet boy and a good looking kid and, and, and very athletic and just, just as nice and well raised as a kid could be, you know, uh, like you and I would hope our kids are, that's what she said, you know, very, very respectful, very clean cut comes from a good, hardworking family, generational correction officers. Uh, um, and she taught him, you know, yeah. and, but years later, uh, when my grandfather was a lawyer and he had his office right there on, on the main drag in St. Francisville, mama said she stopped by to get something out. She, now my mama was in law school at the time. She said she stopped by to get something out of the attic and Brent Miller was there. And he came up, hey, Miss Sandra, and gave her big hugs and kisses. And he said, you know, you were my favorite teacher. And, and you know, a lot, evidently, and that's happened at, like, my aunt's funeral and stuff. Grown-ups now, naturally, would come up to mom and say, oh, you didn't teach us for long, but you made a big impact on us, right? Sure. So Brent Miller comes up, big smiles. My mom was crying today, she said. Biggest smile, really good-looking young man you know um it was like 20 and early 20s right and she was like 
he said, what, what are you doing here? She said, I got to get something out of it. He said, you let me get that for you, Miss Sandra. You don't need to get that. And so he went up and got it, a piece of furniture, and it brought it down and uh, said, Big Smiles helped her load it up and, and gave her big hugs. And she says, I, she said, boy, I can see it in my mind right now. Yeah. You know? He made an impression, and and obviously a very mannerly right. uh, kid. He was raised right, right. and uh, and as Woody just mentioned, he uh, he she remembered him from when she taught him when he was younger. Now he's grown, right. uh, and Brent Miller was a athletic, That's large right. human being, right? Corn fed country boy, right, right. And back then, I, you know. They didn't have the steroids and the weightlifting and yeah. everything like we did now. But the um, I saw a picture. I you and I, yeah. I sent it to you. A picture of him. He was a star athlete in the high school, football player, uh, a wide receiver. I mean, yeah. and in he was a stud. Yeah. Uh, um. But his high school days, everybody loved him. Everybody that knew him. Everybody. Every account I've ever read. Everybody I've ever met. And I talked to about this. Uh, that, that's from there said he was just the best dude. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he'd go on to graduate. What does he do? Immediately goes to work at Angola. Yeah. As a correctional officer. Generational. Generational. You know, it's uh it's and folks think about it like in regular society, a lot of times you, you know, uh, if your mom and dad weren't an attorney, you become an attorney. Except, Unless you're Woody Everett. Except for me. All <laughs> <laughs> well, right. my brothers and sisters became you're attorneys. Yeah, I'm the <laughs> but uh, a lot of people follow in their in their family's footsteps in a lot of different fields, and right. and so no different in the in the in Gold War. Right, and and let's talk about that for a second because I don't. I know when I worked in corrections, I was making anything right yeah. uh, but for me for a young man it seemed like i was making a lot but you, you quantify it in today's money i wasn't but the the generational families that are raised on angola you had your housing on the b-line the your house was always maintained by inmates it was always freshly painted your yard was freshly cut your house was cleaned every day your three meals were cooked. You had your own personal butler, basically, yeah. and and so that's that was nice, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, um, but that was just the way life was. You it was a part. You had your own trustee assigned there, and and I, and I asked my mom about this. The um, were you ever afraid? Because y'all, the B line is inside the wire. <laughs> I mean, it's not far from death row, right? And 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 the prisoners, you got murderers working in your house and and we'll tell some stories about that in the future yeah but the i asked were you ever afraid she said no you know, we played in the street uh, um and and i remember the inmates were always around us yeah pretty no crazy, fear right? yeah it really is and and but when you're raised in that environment you don't know any different you don't know any different it's crazy That's right. and um so brent goes Back, well, he goes to work in Angola, and he meets, or actually, he knew her his, his whole life. Actually, so he was twenty three, and he just married a girl that he knew his whole life, and then they were in love. Uh, um, they actually got married when she was sixteen, and which wasn't uncommon back then. Right? They prayed together, they worked together, they whatever, whatever, and it was kind of uh, an unspoken thing that Brent. And, and she were going to get married. Yeah. 
He right. had known this girl his entire life. The families were probably besties. Yeah, and, well, well, you know, you, you talk about small town America, like where I grew up, where everybody knew everybody's business. Imagine how it was on the B line when yes. it's that small. Oh yeah, right? I mean that's like you can't get any smaller. Yeah, but and then your 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 people are working together every day. You know, the my grandfather went to work as pro loss. My grandmother went to work as a guard in the women's part. Right. So and then and when your day's off. You're doing everything together. So Brent yes. knew this family. The, the, these families knew each other. They worked together. They got married. They were very in love. She was a beautiful girl. He was a really good-looking, clean-cut kid. Uh, um, and they got married. Yeah, yeah. In love, and on yeah. the on the on the way to a, a long life together. Right. And this was, uh, and everything was was gravy. Right. Back and, then. And, and so. Brent had been working as a correction officer for a little bit, and he was very well liked by both the staff and the convicts, the inmates, and they liked him. Everybody liked him. Yeah. It, um, but it was a really hard time, y'all, at Angola. Yeah, it, it really was, and it, we want to kind of hammer down this point to you, to everyone that uh, it was not uncommon for you know, inmates and guards to actually get along. I mean, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you're locked up together. Woody being a career officer, um, the, I'm sure there were there were people you arrested that you were like, wow, in regular life, I would have actually liked this guy. Not only that, if, if you treat them correctly, then you still have a good rapport with them the next time you arrest them. But when I was a correction officer, hell, there were a lot of cons that were down, especially when I was on the working cell blocks for so long. That I knew their stories. You know, I mean, shit, you got to pass 12 hours a night. I mean, you stand there and talk to them, and then you, you know, such and such, and da da da, you've been in this place, and it helps pass the time. But you never forget that they're a convict, and yeah. they're certainly never going to uh, forget that you're a CO. Right. But it's much easier to get along. Yeah. Even though you're in your certain, your respectful positions, it's much easier to get along. And Brent Miller had this rapport. Yeah, the inmates. Not not only with the inmates, but with everybody he came across. Right. I mean, your your mother. We spoke to her. She still cried right, over right. over that. And so that I'm trying to paint a, what we're trying to paint a picture of here is this guy was a special individual, and in right. that everybody he met kind of fell in love with him. Right. You know, and uh, just a awesome human being. And as far as a correction officer goes, though, he was respected mm-hmm. by the convicts, which is is special for a young one it's hard to do right yeah. so if you go to search uh an inmate's box that's where they keep all their stuff and i'm talking about in the dormitories where they keep all their stuff at the for their bed he, if you're a young officer a lot of times the young officers will get in there and just start throwing shit out of the box whatever we're looking for contraband well the deal is that's their home yeah and it's like you coming in and tearing up their shit and then you, you they know it has to happen but there's two different ways you could do it Brent was the kind of guy who would go in and do it respectfully. Hey, you know what? I got to shake you down, stand there and watch, and take things out gently and looking without making a total shit show. Yeah, he's not tossing underwear out of yeah. And you get that respect. Brent had that respect from all accounts. He had the respect of the inmates, but didn't mean he was a bitch. That he didn't do his job. He did his job. He he hammered people when he had to. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Only if he had to. Yeah. Yeah. And that made that made the inmates respect him. Of course, as Woody and I both said in the past, respect was everything inside of it, the bloodiest prison right. in America. Yeah. So the, t- tell them um, what was going on right, yes. around this time. The, 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 of course, we're dealing with bloody and gold. Yes. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, the, the largest maximum security prison in the country, worst of the worst of air. And uh, there's a term in prison uh, known as bucking up. Yep. And bucking up is essentially where a convict will just do that, buck the system. He will, he he almost will disrespect uh, the guards. Well, many inmates prior to uh, the incident, we're going to tell you about the guards noticed they were bucking up. Not only the guards, but people. You know, administrators of of Angola were noticing the the prisoners seem to be bucking up a lot at this time. That's right. And so, let me say this because I've witnessed this. You can tell. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get the right car at Riker. It's the Rikert Black Friday Savings Event. Get a $500 gas card with the purchase of any new vehicle. Only at RikertKia.com. Get the right car at Rikert. We're dealing. I always say correctional officers don't run the prison. The inmates or the convicts run the prison. And any time they really want to buck up, they could take it over. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Because you're inside. you got no firearms. I'm talking I'm not talking about the people in towers. I'm talking about if you're working on a dormitory or cell block, whatever. And most people don't have radios or whatever. The inmates run it. But there's days when you could go in. I mean, it's just like a regular day. And then there's days you could go in and you could feel a tension in the air. Like, holy yeah. shit, everybody's being a little bit more quiet or 
you know, and it's you're like, holy shit. I mean, I can feel it. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, something's about to go down. Yeah, it, it's it's in the air, as you just said. And and as guards, one of the things that I learned and learned from Woody was uh, it's not like Shawshank Redemption, y'all. There's no nightsticks in your hands no, no, or, or, no, or no. on your hips. And the reason for that is it can be taken from you. And used on you. And used on right. you. You didn't get to carry Freeze Plus P. The, the um, no supervisors base. could have it or, or, or radio. The people don't get that. don't understand. When you got the, you walk through those gates, fuck, you locked down for your 12 hours. And I'm going to talk about this real quick. So correctional officers in general, I'm talking about the ones who work the towers, work, um, not the ones who work the fields because they work five days a week. Right. The, the I'm talking about the ones who work inside the prison that with the boots on the ground. They work two on, two days on, two days off, three days on, two days off, two days on, three days off. All right. So you, you got every other weekend, three day weekend, but you're working 12 hour shifts. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah. Right? Whether you're on day or night shift. Right. So Brent Miller was working the day shift on the main prison, uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. And as all this was going on, uh, these prisoners bucking up, as we just told you, they had some incidents uh, start popping off, I guess would be a Good term for that. Things started yeah. popping off inside yeah. of Angola. Yeah, and, and and they don't just – it's not just a full-out ride all of a second, y'all. It's, it's, it builds up. Yeah. It's like a, a bad wound or something that gets pus on it and it just goes and goes until it explodes, right? Yeah. So there were a lot of little things uh, that were going on. Then there were some bigger things. But the 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 concept of the prison – not the concept – the what was going on in Angola at the time, y'all. This is 1972. The you had the first ever Black Panther movement coming in. Yes, the only uh, chapter of the Black Panthers uh, that was ever credited as a legitimate Black Panther chapter inside of United States prison. And just to give everyone a, just a quick history on the Black Panthers, for those that may not be familiar, this this was a, a party, a political party was what it was marketed as, that uh, basically fought against the oppression of black people. And uh, it was formed by two gentlemen, Malcolm X, had been assassinated, and essentially, uh, these two gentlemen had had enough, and they said, "Well, let's band together as black people. We're being oppressed," and they started the Black Panther Party. It, in its existence, the Black Panther Party essentially uh, became two thousand or so members strong in its in its height, um, but it had a very very strong presence politically. It was noticed uh, by many, many police organizations such as the FBI uh, back in the mi- days. They were also they were militants. Yeah, yeah, and, and they made no bones about it. No, they, they, it was a by any means necessary uh, type of organization. And now they believe one thousand percent in in the Constitution, and especially the part about um, every person being treated equal. But the difference is. They said that black people weren't treated equally and they were going to make sure by hook or crook that black people got the fair shake. 
and if they, if they had the right to bear arms to do it, then that, that's what they would do. That's right. And and uh, so it was a little bit different than like Martin Luther King's I Have right. a Dream right. and, and, you know, uh, nonviolent marches. Uh, it was a little bit different than that, and the FBI took notice. And and uh, you know, at their at their height, the FBI kind of made it a goal that hey, we're going to shut down the the Black Panther Party. But uh, there was a point in time around 1966, 67, all the way through the early 70s, where they were an extremely strong organization of black people that. Uh, they did some good things right. um, for for their race, and and uh, we'll we'll touch on those as well. But I just wanted you to get a good history on on who they were because right. it plays a key part it in this story, a huge part of this story for over 40, 50 years. Yeah. Um, so, but that's not all the story's limited to, right? So we'll we'll go back to it. So again, like Jim said, the Black Panthers had the only or organized Black Panthers in any prison in the United States of America. But y'all have also have to remember the times that the conditions were very harsh. This is when Angola was specifically known as Bloody Angola. People were getting stabbed every day. People were getting murdered every day. Yeah. The early six, the late 60s, early 70s, uh, were, you know, were notorious at Angola for, you know, it's what gave bloody, bloody Angola and its name right as the bloodiest prison in America. And Brent was living there. He was working there, right, as were his family members, et cetera. And the, but the rapes, the murders, and I've even, I was told the story when I was there, um, the they had a huge shortage of correctional officers, and they always have and probably always will. But like at the night shift, the the dormitories, they're just like, fuck it, the guards be going on out. So you have one guard before dormitories at, back then at night. You're supposed to have two at least. But yeah. the, um, they would said they'd be like, fuck it, I'm short. They would go on the outside and lock the door from the outside, lock the inmates inside. They could do whatever they wanted to. Yeah. Rapes. Murder, strong arming, whatever that means, they didn't care, and and the inmates were the ones who were suffering through this, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the weak. Yeah, and keep in mind, uh, these guards were not; uh, they had no weapons of any type. When I worked. We had a, a pager. If you if sugar turn the shit, yeah. you're going downhill. You hit your button, then everybody that had a radio, which would be your higher ranking lieutenants and up, it, it, the call would go out to what we call the White House. And the dispatch would get on and say, everybody respond to rec room A at beeper activated. That yeah. means that shit was going down. 71, 72, they didn't have that. They had a phone. They, 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 they had a hard line phone on the desk in the dormitory. Yeah. And wrap your mind around that, people. Yeah. And you're one guard. And, and you're one guard. And amongst hundreds of inmates. Now, let's go back and break it down a little bit. Y'all, we're, we're talking about the main prison in this story. And, and the main prison has numerous sets of dormitories. Um, each set is named after a tree. Like the one we're going to be talking about today is pine. Now they had pine one, pine two, three, and four. Four dormitories, probably over 100 inmates in each dormitory, and one guard, maybe two guards if you're lucky. Yeah. To, for that, all that. Yeah. With no 
fucking communication, no weapons, no nothing. What, what if the shit happens and you can't get to the phone? Right. And then when you get to the phone, who fucks coming? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a, it was a, uh, you know, it was a, it was a it's tough a situation time. to be in. It was, a, it was a hard time in Angola, but someone like Brent Miller. This yeah. is just another day that's, at the office, right? They, they, Daddy and, I think and you, granddaddy, you, they did you it. You grow up with it for so long that it just becomes a norm, right? Yes. So let's go back to April of 1972. And well, we talked about him bucking up. All right. So, okay, let's talk. Tell them a couple of days before. Let's start at that. So I, it's even the guards knew it. That, that ship was t- scaling up, if you yeah. will, slowly. And over a couple of days, some things happened. That's right. First of all, uh, one of the instances that's interesting that the guards noticed uh, <laughs> pretty quick was bucking up can be anything from a guard telling you, uh, you know, move along, and you turn it around and saying, who are you talking to? You know, or something like that. that. That's probably the slightest slightest form of buck bucking up but there's other forms one of them that is documented and that even Woody's mom spoke of was uh spitting on the guard tower something they did they would walk past and they would spit on it now this is intentional right and it's it's uh it's almost a form of something's about to pop off around here and even on the street today if you're street interviewing somebody and they spit on the ground in front of you a lot of the cops don't even know that, but that's that's their sign of disrespect. So the what, what you're saying was happening in the days leading up. These tensions are building, and and slowly they start to act out to convicts, and so walking by guards and spitting on them. Yeah, and I mean, holy shit! You know, you can get an ass whipping. You know, you're going in the hole, but yeah, maybe the, maybe the hole wasn't such a bad fucking place to be when when, when things really popped off. That's right, especially at those times. And the Sunday before the Monday we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a firebomb. That's right. And uh, uh, one of the towers actually got firebombed. Now, you're probably saying, how is that possible? <laughs> you, you know, how did, how, did they, uh, how did they do that? And, and uh, you'd be amazed what you can, what you can get in prison. And, and um, matches weren't hard. They smoked back then That's right, in the prison. Big, and, and smoking was, uh, um, was the form of commerce. Cigarettes. It was, was, it was, was money. money. It was yeah. Money. And the, but on that day, uh, what was the date? The, the uh, that would be April 16th. On April 16th, some inmates, however the hell they got it, I don't know, threw a Molotov cocktail in the guard tower and actually slightly wounded one of the guards. Now, that's bucking up, right? That's bucking up, yeah. They'll make it from any type of fruit and sugar or whatever, and they write it down. It's called pruno. And the shit stinks so bad, but the deal is when they're making it, and it'll tear you they, up. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You drink it. It's like, I think Mad Dog, man, when you go sober to blacked out, it's the yeah, same was, thing. But the thing is that that gas that comes off it, when you make moonshine, when you see them throw out the four shots, that yeah. shit is so highly flammable. Most people save it to like the barbecue pits and shit. With yeah. Right? So that. That certainly they didn't have access. Well, they might have had access to gasoline. I don't know what it was from, but it probably was some type of uh, homemade juice. Yeah. That they, they lit that bottle and threw it at. Okay, so here's the deal. Fucking dude in, in the guard tower's got a rifle. Yeah. You going to throw a firebomb at me? 
Shoot to kill. Shit's about to go off. Yeah. Right? What what's going on? Now the conditions, granted, they're fucking horrible. The the they said inmates would go to sleep at night with the phone books taped around their stomachs for to, to stop themselves from being stabbed or, mm-hmm. or you know somebody came up to shank them while they were sleeping. It was yeah. bad. Yeah, and so this was a it really the only way the prisoners uh, would be able to protest conditions is to buck up. That's all. Right, they, right. That's the only option they had. If if we buck up, they're going to know there's an issue, and so that is a progression, right? Uh, yes, indeed. I mean, you just hit me like a ton of bricks. So when they're bucking up, spitting on the guard when you walk by them, mm, that didn't get any change. You throw a fucking firebomb into the tower. I'm sure some and that con- yeah. convicts got their ass whipped and, and and went to Red Hat or wherever it was at the time. Can't I don't think MJ was in existence, but that was bad enough. Yeah, but you don't get the response. Who knows what's coming next? But what happens, y'all? When that happens, everybody, all of the free people, learned about it immediately. Yeah, yeah, they did. And Brent would have been off. Yes. Anytime that happens, that's a that's a major event in any prison. Uh, Angola, no different. They, you know, this firebomb uh, occurred, and everybody, all the free people at this point, started talking and saying, "Holy shit, something's going on here uh, that is going to get worse." Because they knew there was a progression to this stuff, and. And in all likelihood, it wasn't going to end with a firebomb. So what do you have to do now? Well, you have to try to, number one, figure out what's going on and why they're bucking up and get control of this situation. Because you've got 6,000 inmates in this prison. Right. And uh, and as Woody said earlier, you know, in all intents and purposes, if they want to control the prison, they could have. Absolutely. If they, if they got united. Yes. If they get united enough. It's over. Right. So Brent would have been off. That was his long weekend. And newly married, I think three months. Yeah. Uh, it's it two or three months. But they get up that morning, and his wife is nervous. Now, she's raised on Angola. And she's, she told him, she said, baby, you know what happened yesterday with the firebombing? She said, I'm a little scared. And he's like, I'm all right. I'm gonna be safe, right? And then, and then she took him to work. Uh, she said and later on in the interview, she couldn't remember six or six thirty. I'm telling you how it used to be for me. It was six a.m. to six p.m. Yeah. She takes him to work, drops him off at the gate that he had to go through, and she goes home and gets dressed, and she goes to high school. She hadn't yeah. even graduated high school yet. Yeah. Yeah, so he it, on the work he goes, and now, folks, uh, these guards at this point are kind of on a high alert in their heads. Right. Uh, imagine yourself in this in this situation, and you're you're surrounded by inmates. You have no weapons, uh, and you and they've been bucking up for days, right. and uh, progressively, yeah, progressively, and you know that the it's probably not the end of it, but. You're Brent Miller, and you also have a great rapport with everybody, including right, the right, inmates. Right. The inmates liked this guy. Absolutely correct. And that's what my mom has told me my entire life. Uh, um, so he goes in and reports to work. He goes to Pine One, where he's assigned dormitory. Uh, he and another correctional officer. Now, 
first thing they do in the morning is they feed them chow. Now, in the main prison, you have the, the different dormitories I told you about. The When they went to chow, it's called chow call, right? And, and everybody that's going to eat lines up the door. One of the correctional officers takes, takes you down to the mess hall. And back then, uh, they said, you know, they would go in and they said the guards would stand on the outside and, and watch and whatever. But they took them to the mess hall. One guard would stay behind. Took them to the mess hall. And holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. They took him to the mess hall. And uh, and basically, Brett, uh, at this time, just, you know, he, he had a good rapport. And uh, he wanted to get some coffee and visit with a particular inmate that he was friends with. and, and Or with, friendly with. The When they took him to the mess hall for chow that morning, they got to the mess hall and there was another buck up. 16, right. 16 inmates that worked in the kitchen said, fuck it, we're not serving breakfast. We are bucking up. We are on strike. Now, that's right. And what does that tell you? That tells you that word has spread right. throughout the prison that uh, it's time to buck up. Remember, that means protest to these. Right. Th- this is a form of protesting from these prisoners of conditions at right. Bloody Angola at this time. So it, it spread through this kitchen, and all 16 of the kitchen employees basically said, we ain't fucking serving breakfast today, and you can't make us do it. That's exactly right. And now, y'all, you got a real shit show. You've got all these inmates from all these different dorms. And one thing... Prison life is kind of monotonous, right? You do everything at certain times every day. You show up with the correctional officer, show up, and they're like, fuck you, I'm not doing it. And their their complaint was they were working six days a week, 16-hour days, and they said, we want a change. Well, fuck. Now you got to take all your inmates back, lock them up on the dorm, and the powers that be respond, deal with these assholes in the kitchen, Address the situation. Whatever, address the situation. However they got it done, they got them to cook. And then once they got the line back going, the food line, then they call back to the dormitories and say, bring your inmates up to eat. Yeah. And when the guard that was working with Brent brought the inmates up to eat, Yeah, Brent stayed behind. Brent stayed behind and – and so now you've got to keep in mind he's the only guard. Yeah. He's the only guard amongst 100 inmates. or Right, Woody? Well, yeah, yeah, but the, most of them have gone to chow. So right? that's right. But, that's right. But the in the morning times, there was an um, inmate, Ezekiel Brown, the older black man, uh, and they said he and Brent were friends, and he would stay – uh, he would make coffee in the morning. Coffee, y'all in prison is a big thing. You, you might drink five or six cups a night. Uh, um, especially, it's big for the inmates. But this Brown... Uh, yeah, so he he basically st- he stayed behind uh, and Hezekiah Brown uh, stayed. And one thing in prison, you don't have to go eat. Right, right. You don't have to, you know, they basically say line up to eat. If you don't line up to eat, you get locked out. in. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they don't, <laughs> you just don't get chow that day. So Hezekiah Brown stayed back. Brent Miller was back there. And, and uh, there were some other gentlemen 
uh, I would assume back there as well. Well, the, the from all accounts, Brent Miller sits down on one of the inmates' bunks and gets his cup of coffee with Ezekiel Brown. Just talking to him. Just talking to him. And then all of a sudden, four inmates run up, surprising Brent, attack him, hold him down. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday, Buffalo Wild Wings Happy Hour has beer, cocktails, and bar food for 3 to 6 bucks. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $4 Coors Light Tall. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m. That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone why you're still single and... Ha, ha, ha. Seriously? Head to Buffalo Wild Wings Happy Hour from 3 to 6. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited. Stab him. At least 32 times. Some accounts say as high as 39 times. With a sharpened lawnmower blade. Stabbing to death. To death. To death. And look, um, let's put this into perspective real quick. You just killed a guard uh, in the most heinous way possible. A sharpened lawnmower blade. You didn't stab him 10 times. You didn't stab him 20 times. You stabbed him a minimum of 32 times. And let me tell you this. If you are on the street and you're trying to just handcuff a guy, you know, Brent was a big boy, like Jim said, big, strong country boy. Athletic. Athletic and young. Yeah. If you're trying to take an average-sized guy down and he's fighting and you want to get him in handcuffs, it may take four or five guys if you don't have any freeze or, or, or whatever. I can promise you it took all four of them to hold Brent down once he realized what was going on. And But I think the shock of it it's just had to be so much for him because everybody liked him. Supposedly, while he was down and being brutally stabbed. Now, this is, this came from my mama who's always heard this her entire life. And she told you, Jim, today. This is a guy that had a great rapport with these prisoners. And so as they're stabbing him with a lawnmower blade over and over and over again, 32 times, the last words that came out of his mouth were, why are you doing this to me? Think about that. Think about that. Why are you doing this to me as they're just pounding count, him? Count this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty
two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 30, 31, 32, at least that many stabs, y'all. Minimum. And that's what's coming out of his mouth because as Woody just said, he had a rapport with these guys and never suspected, never knew what hit him, probably, yeah. right off. And so then you're confused. Yeah. You know, it's shock. 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 Being murdered in the most personal intimate way and it was never proven and we're going to tell you all the rest of the story on the next episode but it was never proven but I would almost guarantee you if I'm one of the four that are stabbing you to death each motherfucker that's stabbing with me is going to take a turn I would bet you that they all took turns that way you have you can't rat on each other yeah and there's so much so much more to this story uh, these these inmates that were involved in this eventually became known as the Angola Three. Should have been four. Should have been, and we'll tell you why in the next episode. Right, but on this one, and Jim and I talked about this for long and hard, y'all. We really we've watched every documentary. We've watched. We've read every book. We really did our homework on this one, and. This is a story I've been hearing since I was a little boy. And they, my mama today cried because it's just like it, for her it was like yesterday. We wanted to tell who Brent Miller was as a human being, what kind of person he was. Because in all these documentaries and stuff, except for maybe one, they don't do that shit. Yeah. You know, Brent Miller was a living, loving, breathing human being a son, a husband, a friend, a former student, my mom. Yeah. Uh, um, Someone that everybody a, liked. A great guy. Yeah, just a great An athlete. Guy. Just a, uh, he was a human being, y'all. And it, I, what gets lost in these stories that come after is the fact that Brent Miller's a human being and Jim and I wanted to put the human face. And I promised my mama, and Jim heard it, that I was going to put the human face or we were going to put the human face on Brent Miller. Um, one last thing, the today and, and even in 90, 1990 or 91, when I, when I was there, the, um, the firing range is named after Burt Miller. Yeah. So, yeah. So that tells you the respect, yeah. uh, that Brent had, even at a, at a young age of 23, yeah. uh, throughout Angola and a generational, guard uh so he was not only a, a, a just an amazing human being but he was someone who grew up in that environment his family grew up in that environment he was very beloved by angola yeah, yeah. And, and left a lasting impact on everyone yeah yeah so tune in next week because holy smokes we're just getting started this is a horror story y'all it's a hard story. My heart, our hearts go out to this day and what to anybody that knew him and loved him. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh and we hope we do it justice yeah. this 
this incident and and this story and it gets deeper from here so we look forward to uh to telling you even more uh facts about this case that we've been able to dig up that you may not be aware of right and appreciate y'all listening yeah if you like it please uh we want to thank y'all first episode dropped we went to number five in the world blows my mind um because of y'all. And actually, we're pre-recording this a little bit. So the second episode we just dropped today, and we don't even know where it's at yet. But thank y'all. Please go anywhere. That yeah, please please, uh, please like and you know comment, subscribe, do all those things on any social media network uh, that you may review. listen to this on. Leave a review. Very important. People cannot find... Uh, a podcast on Apple Podcasts, typically, unless they know the exact name, unless you leave a review. It helps with the analytics with Apple Podcasts. So you don't have to get in, you know, if you don't want to take the time to write a paragraph or something, you don't have to. Just, just hit those five stars and underneath put great. Right. You know, one more comment. Um, if you don't like the show, put it, you know, tell us what we can do better. We'll, we'll take that. Um, we appreciate all of y'all watching. You can get all these episodes in audio and video format, uh, conglomerate of ways. One is to go to the website, bloody There you'll find everything you need to listen to it right from that website or watch it. Uh, you can go to YouTube where we, the difference between our audio episodes and our video episodes on YouTube is that's more of an experience. And what we mean by that is not only do you get to see me and Woody kind of go into these zones as we talk about these cases and get goosebumps and all those sorts of things, but you also get to see pictures. We'll have, for example, on this episode, uh, pictures of Brent Miller up and pictures Absolutely. of, of, uh, the people that were, uh, you know, eventually accused, uh, will be on future episodes. So the last episode you dropped today, um, you, you had a picture of my dad. I did uh, as a young man. I did. Boy, he's a handsome he one. Handsome. What do you ever tell? I see where you get your looks from. Y'all, I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> I listen to the to the podcast naturally, but holy shit, I'm totally into the YouTube thing now. I'm yeah, so I got to say that. Yeah, I, I don't do it on my other podcasts, and I'm not consistently. Right, and it's something that we we try to do to bring y'all the best absolute content we can. It requires a lot more work on our end, but Jim, we don't mind. Jim does that. Uh, Vision Podcast <laughs> Studio does that, and it's fire. Go watch it. Yeah, please do. I had to tell my mom today about it because I wanted her to see the picture of dad and stuff like that. Yeah. She was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So we put a lot of time and care into that and uh, appreciate you watching it. Even if you're listening to it and you, you know, listen to it, then go check out the YouTube. Yeah, it, it's all, it's a totally different experience yeah. that yeah. you'll really like. So thank all of y'all for watching. As Woody said, uh, you know, we're rising up those charts and, and uh, we love that because we know it puts attention on what we're talking about yeah, and we feel it's like it's important. It validates us. And, yeah. And you can't, I mean, it's like our baby, right? It's yes. like watching your baby graduate come laude or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it is a little vanity or whatever, but I mean, to you, when you beat Katie Kirk and all these <sighs> people, Snoop Dogg, we're coming yeah, for you. Snoop Dogg, number one, we're coming for you, baby. That's but, it. Uh, Drop we, it like it's hot. Uh, you, beat, you beat all these big multi-million 
Dollar production companies. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a self-produced podcast and, and, uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. So, uh, you know, I'm Jim Chapman again. And I'm Woody Overton. And last thing, our sponsors, we love you. Yes. Thank you so much. And, uh, couldn't do it without them. Couldn't do it. it Absolutely. Wouldn't have happened without them. Mm -mm. So y'all please, uh, our sponsors are going to be throughout the show. Every one of them, we back, we, uh, we listen to them or we, we've used their products. We back them a thousand percent. And thank y'all. You rock. Yeah. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And, and you listeners, you rock. You rock. Yeah. Set my socks on fire every week. Ooh, what do you have? Jim and I were like, y'all, we should have made a video of ourselves the whole weekend long. Yeah. You know, checking the numbers and people uh, commenting. Oh my God. Y'all's comments and, and all the different things are just, it's just so much love. Total love. We and love y'all back. Yeah, we do. We do love you much. And, uh, so that's it. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And we'll see you next time with another episode of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Peace. Peace. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.